0: Clive Barker is an internationally acclaimed writer, director, artist, and playwright. His latest novel is Mr. Be Gone. Thank you for joining me, Clive. Very happy to be here. Clive, I wanted to talk to you first about Mr. Be Gone. because sure. It's an interesting novel, and, and it deals with something that I find personally fascinating, which is the invention of the printing press and the way that changed the world, and not just the world, the way it changed humanity.
1: It's, you know, this is interesting because... You're actually the first person talking about this book who actually goes to what the book is actually about. Uh, the fact that there is a demon in it has sort of in a way misled people I think a little bit, you know, being Mr. Hellraiser, uh, you know, uh, has its ups and its downs and one of the one of the downs is that I think, you know, uh it's very useful to have a demon in the narrative for obvious reasons. I don't wanna spoil the you know, the book by by talking too much about that. Um, but really the book is absolutely about the word and about the 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 how the the word becoming a sort of democratic uh thing by the you know, by the invention of the the printing press as opposed to belonging. I'm talking about the written word, obviously. Belonging in the hands of intellectuals, priests, particularly the priest class, changed completely the way that people looked at the world.
0: It also changed humanity itself, and I think that's one of the interesting visions you have, Uh, and that I think is uh, goes to to the idea of having uh, Jack. Uh, Jacob Botch yes <laughs> <laughs> is it, it, well
1: let's go to Jackabob Botch you know, there's a little Bosch in there right? Hieronymus <laughs> Bosch
0: is being uh, nodded to but uh, yes Botch it is Botch it is um, I, I'd like to, to ask you um, one of the things I find really interesting about this book is that you've got a, a demon who does things that are absolutely heinous yeah yet when we read it and the way we experience it, it's kind of, it's kind of cute. <laughs> I mean, uh, when he, he's skinny, he's skinning babies and it's really not the same. It doesn't have the same uh, impact that, that some of the stuff, say in, in the midnight meat training. Right, right,
1: right. Um, I, now I'm having difficulty with cute. I must admit, <laughs> um, I would have the cute. I hadn't, uh, I hadn't conceived of it being, um, I I think it helps that you are in his head. It's a first-person novel, and I think it it, when you're dealing. And also, he is badly done to. He's a he's a he's a demon who has been uh, horribly misused. uh, You know, from his earliest childhood. You know, he's an abused demon, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but you know, an abused child. Um, Now, I'm not making the the the, the, uh, the, old, uh, the old argument that if Hitler had got into art school, we wouldn't have had the Third Reich. You know, I'm not, I'm not arguing that for a moment. I mean, people, are, pe- pe- people who do terrible things are responsible for the terrible things they do. But, uh, however bad their childhoods were. But uh, I think it does allow us, when we're listening to his voice, as it were, in our heads... To actually at least understand a little bit about where he, where this this uh,
0: this hate
1: and this uh, viciousness in him originates.
0: This book has a really interesting experience of the world as words. I, and you're, we're, as we read this book, we're constantly aware of ha- that this is a world built from words.
1: Our world is built from words, isn't it? I mean, it, it's it's interesting. Ridley Scott, who's a director, a film director I much admire. Predicted in the 80s And I remember this because it was I read an article and, and I thought Whoa, it'll be interesting to see whether this prediction is true He said that he thought that In his opinion Books, particularly novels Would be like the opera Of the 21st century That is to say they would be Rarefied experiences For a very few people Which has absolutely turned out to be wrong <laughs> And uh I I think J.K. Rowling has something to do with that, actually. I I think the Harry Potter phenomenon has educated a whole generation, literally, a generation of kids into into looking at the reading experience in a different way. And, uh, my God, my hat is off to her. She can earn every dollar that she deserves, you know, because um, I know a lot of people say, oh, well, the books aren't very well written, or this or that. The point is they... They are red, and and um, I'm delighted to find that the Maevra books, for instance, are books which have often been picked up because kids have run out of Harry Potter books to read. And if, if that's what it if that's what it takes, hey, that's what it takes. I'm not going to be a snob about that.
0: Uh, in in uh, Mister Gone... There's a real sense, especially in some of the scenes near near the end of the novel, yeah. uh, of uh, an imminent world, and, yeah. and I mean not not uh, immanent, it's no, that's say. lurking behind yeah. our world, yeah, a- and it's a, a new world that's built of the words that are going to pour forth from yeah. Gutenberg's press. Yes, yeah.
1: that's beautifully put. Imminent world, I, that would be a wonderful title for a book, <laughs> the imminent world. It really would. um the notion of imminence is, comes up over and over and over again in my books. The idea that something is coming. Uh, it's, it's, it's central to my idea of the fantastic, uh, uh, that glorious sense you have in, um, in great books of fantasy that anticipation is almost as great as the delivery. Um uh often, um for me for instance, Narnia happens too quickly. Uh, you know, the first chapter and you're there. Um I, I, I like books that take a little bit longer, tease you a little bit, uh before they actually get you to the to the place of wonder.
0: In uh Mr. Be Gone. Yeah. I think one of the things you do is uh, use uh, uh, our desensitization to violence yeah. as a kind of a literary technique. Can you can you take me somewhere with that <laughs> yes. before I comment on it? <laughs> well, uh, because um, we we're, we're immersed from the get-go. We yeah. start in the lowest depths of hell. Yeah, and, and ascend towards the world. So this is a this offers us by the time we get to to reality which is a pretty brutal reality yeah. compared to ours right yeah. now yeah um it's looking pretty good well
1: you know that, that's interesting because you know i'm i'm very interested in the medieval world and it, whoa was it a brutal place i mean you know we 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 get representations of it in uh in movies and I've always said that one of the people who gets closest to it is actually Terry Gilliam. Uh, Gilliam, uh, in his comedic way, um, actually evokes very well in, say, Jabberwocky, the sense of mud and dirt and flatulence and filth that is that was that world. Yeah, you know, people were living. Uh, cheek by jowl with excrement and 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 stench and 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 sickness and, and you're right when you say uh you know it's very different from our own world i think movies very often give us such a cleaned up version i was talking to uh uh walter parks who was one of the producers of gladiator and i was going to do a project with Guys over at DreamWorks, where she didn't come through, but but uh, uh, we were talking about Gladiator. was a picture I admired a great deal, and I said we were talking about how much research they'd done. They'd done incredible amounts of research uh, to 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 make the you know to give the movie veracity, and he said, "Well, the only thing that we couldn't really get true was the violence." And I said, well, there is an astonishing amount of violence in the picture, Walter. He said, yes, but we know, when we looked into it in depth, I mean, we reproduced we, we 1% on the screen of what was really going on. And, you know, um, having since done for another project a, a lot of research into not only the Roman era, but actually, again, into the medieval era, uh, era for for Mister Begon. I don't think we can even begin to imagine how. Well, let you know. Let's talk about the most sensitive of, of, of our senses, our noses. Um, uh, people are always surprised that is the most sensitive of our senses, but it is. We we get huge amounts of information from our, our noses, and and they and it's a huge memory. Um, um, uh, uh, it pricks our memories it, you know it gives us it takes us back to places
0: it's deep anchors in our memories it creation. really
1: I've just been uh, using uh, uh, baby oil uh, for a project and baby oil has a smell which Johnson Johnsons Johnson baby oil has a smell which hasn't changed since I was a kid and you open one of those bottles and instant Instant childhood. Um, I digress. Um, uh, my point was going to be that that, that, that you know, we we can't uh, uh, evoke in cinema, um, or even on the page, though I try the the, the profundity of the disgust that, that that we would feel if we were to step into one of these worlds.
0: Well, tell me about uh, how you did your research for Mr. Be Gone. Did Did you get get to go view any first sources? Did you see a Gutenberg Bible?
1: Yes, i I've, i I've, but I'd seen that. I mean, the my my, I've always wanted to do something about Gutenberg. So that that the Gutenberg thing, a lot of that research had been done a long time ago. Oh, really? And so it's 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 one of those ideas which has hung around in my head for a long time waiting for the uh the structure that was you know um there's a real danger when you're writing uh books about history you know uh that uh they become um, um mm, just lists of your researchers, uh, <laughs> right? And and I was and I, one of the reasons I waited such a long time was because it sort of gives you a a little bit of um, perspective on what you really want in the book and what you're just interested in because you're interested in it. I did a book called Galilee um, uh, a few years ago. I uh, uh, and uh, when I'm finished with that right, I will certainly uh, do the sequel. There's those gonna be two books. And the first one is about uh, is about in part um, uh, or rather is set in part in the Civil War and uh, uh, American Civil War. And I uh, had the great good fortune to uh, go to Bennington, which is where the, the last great battle of the Civil War place and um it was extraordinary to me i mean i i, I get goosebumps thinking about um the the experience of, of of going to that battlefield one saturday one bleak saturday with a friend of mine who is a lawyer in the carolinas and and uh there is a uh, there is a small house which was used as the field hospital between the lines so it was usable by by both the south and the north uh... uh, uh, it's two rooms upstairs two rooms downstairs it was uh, uh... uh... owned by a reverend and his daughters and uh... When we got there, it was 6 o'clock on a a Saturday afternoon, and I can't do a southern accent, I wish I could, but there was a lovely sort of 17, 18-year-old girl there who said she had a date, and would would we mind if we locked up after her?
0: And
1: um, there was nobody else, anyone near the place. And uh, I said... No, of course, that's fine. She said, you won't step over the ropes, will you? You know, um, now asking an author not to step over the ropes is just a silly question, but I lied to my teeth and said, of course, I wouldn't. And and then, you know, got to touch the things, stepped over the ropes and touched the things. And um, it's this, this is where I remain
0: hugely
1: excited by the act of writing because having an excuse to go to this house which has not been touched i mean it hasn't you know the 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 doors were taken off the hinges and used as as uh as amputation tables and uh beside the one in the in the front room uh with, which is still covered in bloodstains uh, is a is a small table and on that table is a book which is open and the surgeon has written it in increasingly despairing and chaotic hand a list of the soldiers who've come in and their condition and what limbs he took off. And, you know, I uh, obviously spent 15 minutes going through the book. <laughs> um... Forgive me if the lady who, who kindly <laughs> kindly let us in that day is listening. Um um I had to do it for my art. Um but it it was it was the key experience of that research to actually be in that house. And the fact that the young lady was kind enough to give us the key and tell us to leave it under the mat when we finished was like was like you know the gods of art saying, "Go to it, vodka." Uh,
0: I'd like to ask you about um, uh, Aberat. Sure. We we've seen uh, two of the books. Yep. A- and I'm here surrounded by evidence that there's a great deal of activity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. In, in this realm. Yeah. So tell me where you are, where we are in Aberat, and maybe where uh, your the readers ones? can. Be, well, headed. Yeah,
1: the third book is very close to completion. Uh, the paintings for the third book are, I think there's about 600, 700 paintings in the house right now, in this house with us. Um, I've used about 240, 250 of those so far. Um,
0: in the third book alone? No,
1: in the first two in books. the first two books, okay. Yeah, so the first two books each have about 120 pictures wow. in them. Mm-hmm. So uh, now remember I, I, I paint the pictures first and then I write the stories around the pictures.
0: Clive, we're sitting here surrounded by paintings uh, of some really interesting characters, and it made me think about the way writers usually create characters, is they imagine a character in their mind purely, and then hear that character's voice speak to them in words. This is a very different way for you to create a character, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's not just characters. Uh,
1: As you can see, it's also landscapes and... uh, um, uh, on occasion, there are even abstract paintings here. So this sort of representation of forces, you know. Oh, interesting. Uh, so um, it came about in a strange way, but a way that 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 that. And uh, I'm very, uh, I'm very much a believer in in in. The forces of of, of fate, if you will. Uh, This is one where I think the forces of fate are very obvious. Um, uh, I had said, once I joined the HarperCollins team, which is now 17, 18 years ago, uh, that with Weaveworld, they published Weaveworld in England, not here, but in England. Uh, I said, you know, I I want to do a series of books. Let's take Narnia, which they also publish as as a sort of as a sort of rough model, a series of books that would be uh, 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 connected uh, in terms of in terms of the narrative flow, but they wouldn't. But they would sort of be standalone as well. Um, and and uh, I I want. I I wanted at that stage to uh I I was thinking I was going to do two perhaps three um turn it's going to be five um but then Hopacons was not interested in doing it and uh they're not interested for a very simple reason uh I was making a lot of money doing the other thing uh which was writing horror and writing fantasy for adults and there is a certain uh, pressure when you become what they call a brand. Um, I hate the term, but it's it's one that's regularly used, as you know, and, and uh, you know, I suppose I'm a brand, or they think I'm a brand at least, and, and so they were saying, well, you know, you're branded as 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 a as a, a writer of fiction for adults, a very often extreme fiction for adults. And we think uh, that that it would be destructive to the success of that brand if you were to do something very different. Which was, you know, disappointing to me. And I kept coming back to them over and over again. I mean, annually. <laughs> I would say to them, you know, about my about my invented world, because I knew it would be, you know, some kind of invented world. I didn't know what it would be called or anything. No, 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 no. They were not interested. And then about seven years ago, I, I took up oil painting. Uh, is it seven, eight? I, I lose track. Um, somewhere in my 40s, <laughs> I took up oil painting. And a late... Uh, a late beginner uh, at a, a medium which uh, I then immediately adored and uh, one of the reasons I was a late beginner is because I didn't have a space to do it in and and it's nice to have a big space where you can be really messy because i'm as you know as you can see, I paint big paintings and um I'm a sort of messy painter, and you can't do that in a little, you know, a little carpeted room somewhere in the in the house. You know, it needed to be a space that I could really spread out in. And I bought the house next door to the big house, and uh, I built below the house a, a two-story studio where I could just make as much mess as I wanted to, and nobody would care or bother, and I started to paint. And um, one of the things I was was doing was painting for uh, a book of erotic, uh, sorry, not a book, an exhibition of erotic work uh, that was going to be done here in L.A., and... My heart, my heart wasn't in it. That may be the wrong piece of my anatomy, but my heart wasn't in it. And, and, and I started to paint very different pictures, things that firstly were very different from anything I would really done before in any medium. And secondly, things that were, certainly weren't erotic. And they started to flow very fast. And, I mean, it was a bit like a dam breaking. And looking back on it, I think it's fairly obvious that I had sort of sat on all this stuff, all these images, all these ideas that had been sort of accruing in my head about the world which would eventually be called Aberrant. And when the dam burst, given that it couldn't manifest itself in words it manifested itself in images.
0: Hmm. Interesting.
1: And, uh, now this is all hindsight is 2020. I mean, I, you know, I didn't think of this at the time. I'm not claiming I did. There was no planning in any of this. It was just, I think the, frankly, the evidence of it is around you. I mean, this is, this is eight years of work.
0: Um, it looks more like thirty years of work to tell the truth. Well, yeah. It's a pretty phenomenal amount of of work here. We're sitting in a room where the paintings are leaning against the wall and groups of ten or more. Yeah, there's, and you know we've also had we have an exhibition
1: open right now. So there's a number of key paintings in that exhibition. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Uh, an exhibition here in L.A. Mm-hmm. and uh, Actually, you have two exhibitions, um, we have a whole bunch of stuff which is in New York as well. Um, I lose track, and um, and there's also been sales. I mean, we've had. I have an exhibition. I have a gallery, Burt Green Gallery, here in LA, and we've done. We've had what three, four exhibitions now. So, um, while I'm not selling what I would call the key Abra pictures, the pictures which which are really the the things I want to eventually see if I can have in some sort of museum, even if it's a self-created museum. Um, nevertheless, I have, have sold, you know, I suppose now into the hundreds of pictures. Wow. So So, yes, there's a lot of pictures and, uh it's a, it's evidence i think of a certain frustration in me I, you know that, <laughs> yeah. that i couldn't get this stuff out in, in in word form but um it has been um it has been immensely rewarding to discover a, a new self um in the middle of my 40s you know, and discover a self that did a different thing and thought a different way—that um, thought in images, not in words—and and then I thought, well, I paint all these pictures now. Whoa, whoa, what, what do they belong? And and I sat down with them for a couple of weeks, and uh, actually in this in this room here. Um, and I looked at them, and looked at them, and looked at them. And, and eventually, I, I take it back, it wasn't here. It wasn't here. It was actually next door in the studio. And, um, and gradually, the mythology of Avrat, the idea of, of an archipelago of islands where each hour, each, island is, each island is a different hour of the day, so that you know, if you go to Gogossium, which is the which is the, an island wreathed in, 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 in red mist, it's always midnight. And everything the human psyche has ever conjured up, ah, uh, it is the stuff of midnight, um, black masses and witches and terrible things that go bump in the night. All of it is concentrated in Gorgossium. Uh, so there were twenty-four hour, twenty-four islands each a different hour of the day, plus the 25th, which is a time out of time, an island in which you might meet yourself as a child or meet yourself as a very old man, Methuselah, um, it, in which it's not so much that time is out of joint, it simply doesn't exist. And, uh, and that mythology was the key thing. I mean, Once I had that mythology, I was off to the races.
0: Now, tell us a little bit, uh, about, let's see, um, uh, uh, point t- out to me a character whom you painted first, and then tell me how, about the process of turning that painting into a prose creation.
1: Yes. Uh, uh, behind you, for instance, there are two out of three homunculi.
0: Yes. Yeah. Oh, those are really lovely, and that's a different style than your than these other paintings. Deliberately so, because they're homunculi, <laughs> and they're
1: being cooked into life in an alchemical, um, in, in three alchemical uh, uh, jars, if you will. And and I don't know where the third one wandered off to, but he's here somewhere. or She actually, um, and um. I painted these things. And you can see each one is different. Mm-hmm. And uh, so what, what the painting allows me to do is bring to the text a, a sense of what these things are. Uh, if you look over to your right, there is an immense creature um, uh, with a huge gaping mouth and tentacles rising from it. If, you, if we were closer to the picture, you would see there is a tiny bath escape. Um, you probably can't see it from this distance, uh, but it's 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 it, it's there, so you can judge the scale of the creature below. The creature is called the requiax, and it lives in the waters beneath um, the, the waters of the, the, the Sea of Isabella, which surrounds the islands of the Aberat. And again... Um, I had no idea the Requiax existed until it appeared on the page to tell me it was here. Um, I did know that all the, all the boats on the Sea of Isabella were, were, were red, and, and I, I wanted to see if I could figure out, well, why. <laughs> and uh, the Requiax uh, seems to take against boats that, that are not red, so uh, it, it, it basically sinks them.
0: Well that's a very interesting painting I was looking at it earlier mm. um, if you're up close yes uh, close enough to see the the bathos you, what you're what you're not going to almost see is the requiex itself because you've done a lot of really interesting texture work on that painting and that's not something that's on in every painting no. here and could you tell me a little bit about choosing these different styles of painting well the impasto which is that that sort of
1: laying on a very heavy paint uh, is something that I'll do uh, when uh, I feel a a picture needs an extra kind of depth. Uh, And Recreact is is, um, one of the villains of the piece, if you will. And uh, it it needed... uh, I felt it needed to be painted in a different way. Uh, let me just see if... Okay, on, over here, uh, there's a, there's a, a landscape uh, which actually is painted in a much gentler fashion.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's pretty. Yeah, uh, even
1: though there are two demons Demon-times squatting <laughs> on there. Um, but but uh, thank you. Yes, I mean it's 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 only intended to be pretty. Uh, above the door over there, there's a square twenty-four by twenty-four again picture with the with the the sort of coral-colored sky and the and the stunted tree, which again I, I I think you would probably say was a pretty picture. Oh yeah, no, yeah. Um, and uh, by comparison in above the mantelpiece over there is an angel uh, the, the the thing with the lightning springing from its head in all directions uh, uh, an angel come devil uh, a little bit of both uh, you know medieval uh, me- medieval uh, mythology held that, that, that angels had many eyes in their wings, so that's why the single wing that angel has is covered in eyes. So I'm, I'm I, you know, and that's painted in a very different style. Uh, one last one, on the, on the right there, hidden behind uh, the strange underwater creature is a, just visible, is a bunch of chickens.
0: I remember the chicken, yeah. I love the chicken chicken <laughs> chicken town,
1: and you know that is white that's painted in on white canvas it's 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 painted black paint and red paint and that's' so it's, it's really very it's a just a completely different kind of picture and um, i i didn't really want these pictures to be illustrations in the sense of um you know, an illustration in, in my uh, interpretation of the word uh, is, is um, takes a moment from a picture, from a book rather, and, 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 and illustrates it. And I, I, firstly, I couldn't do that because the painting preceded the moment. Mm. <laughs> and secondly, I wanted the paintings to live as paintings. I want, I want people to be able to. I I would hope that basically looking around, you could pretty much have any of these pictures on your wall without needing to know. No,
0: they're all beautiful. I mean, and, and, and
1: yeah, I, I, thank you. That way they're,
0: they're not like completely scary <laughs> Right, 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 right. Yes, but, but you don't need
1: to know about no. aberrations uh, no, to no. In,
0: to enjoy them. I think. I hope to me they seem more like uh, i would describe them i guess as imagos uh, uh yeah as, as as a deep image from whence the story wells i think
1: that's absolutely right there they're the Ur text mm-hmm. um um they're the, they're the 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 are the origin of the whole darn thing and they have made me investigate uh the narrative process in a completely different way um, I won't ever do it again because the workload has been a little overwhelming.
0: <laughs> You're talking about 600 paintings that are what uh, most of these are, uh, four feet by five feet? Is that... Uh, 48, 48 by 60, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that was, that's a lot of painting. That's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a lot of work.
1: Yeah, but it's, 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 it has been... Creatively, the most exciting adventure of my life.
0: Well, I can see now. I'm wondering: Do you know if anybody else has ever created a a, a book in this manner, to have painted the uh, the imagos from whence the narrative stems, and then to have gone back and backtracked and written the text?
1: I've certainly looked around, but I haven't been able to find anybody. Now that isn't to say it hasn't happened. I just haven't. Do you know of anybody? No, no. I was, I was. No, if this no. I don't. I, I. I now, as I say, that isn't to say But I, I think probably the likeliest place where it has happened is in children's books from a much younger audience, mm-hmm. where perhaps there have been. Um, now I don't know this for a fact, um, but I can imagine, um, you know, sketches, uh, you know, by let's say a genius like Maurice Sendak.
0: Mm-hmm. um
1: a sketch be, being the jumping off place for a story sure, sure. um' I, I'm doing something slightly different i'm I'm painting a lot of pictures
0: <laughs> yeah no that's obvious and
1: and and, and 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 here's the thing I mean, even though there is literally room for all the paintings that I will paint in the five books. I mean, there isn't enough room in the five books for the paintings that are here. Oh. I still have a lot more paintings to paint. Mm. There will be room eventually, in the in what I'm calling the the, the encyclopedia Aberrata. in my head. Uh, a project is um, is forming which will be, when the five books are finished, um, a way to incorporate everything that you see around you. I, I I would love to be able to put all of these books, all these pictures in the book, but it's in the books, the five books, but it's very expensive process to produce full color um, uh, books. So uh, they just, and there just isn't maybe room. But eventually, whether I do it on as an online experience or whether we do it as, a, as some you know, mega sixth book, which will um, be an encyclopedic um, um, uh, exploration.
0: A Guide to Aberrat. Yeah. Everything about Aberrat and a lot that didn't quite make it in yeah, the books. Yeah, you got it.
1: Absolutely the right. The Flora and Fauna. That's right. Absolutely. And, and that sort of excites me because I do know not not everything, but. There's a lot of pictures here that I know a lot about, but I know that I'm not going to go with the books.
0: Well, now how you're, in, you're almost done with the third book? Is that yeah, yeah. Right, in the prose yeah. pros process?
1: Yes. Uh, well, the paintings are done.
0: The paintings are done. Yeah. Now, uh, I'm wondering, uh, these books seem to be a, like a really remarkably complex project just to put one together. Once you have the words, once you have the pictures, how involved are you in the layout of these books?
1: Oh, Intimately. Uh, I I did not realize at all until um, until I started this process what how complex it was to make one of these books, and uh, and Joanna Kotler, who has her own imprint at Harper Collins, and uh, has guided me through this whole uh, ex- extraordinary experience, um, said, you know. It isn't done when you've finished writing the words and painting the pictures. In fact, in some ways, it's only just beginning, because now we have to put this into uh, a balanced, a, a visually balanced book. Um, I'm finishing what is the middle book of the five, and it is the most ambitious of the narratives uh, so far. Um, um, and there's, a, I, I think, there's the, just because this, there's, this, excuse the expression, I've got so many balls in the air. You know, I mean, there's so many narrative lines which have been um, begun um, in in the first two books, and I'm, I'm. Um, I don't want to do what sometimes happens in serious books, which is that the, the middle books just tread water. I want to advance the narrative in a significant way. That means that people will die. Um,
0: not die. an unusual experience in your books. I'm glad I'm not a character in one. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have two, actually. I,
1: I think I might, I might ask to be let free, um, but... Uh, now, obviously, when you're writing for a younger audience, you 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 know you you have to be careful about stuff like death scenes. And one of the educations for me has been understanding how to write for, with the intensity that I I want to write with um, for a younger audience, but you know never condescending, never ever. Never um, um,
0: uh, just talking
1: down to the, to that readership. I think that would be offensive.
0: Now, have you tell me? Have you had an experience where you've written something and they came back to you and said, "Clive, are you crazy? You can't get this for a preteen audience." Uh, you know, it happens. And uh, I, you know, part of that is because I
1: sat down with Joanna Cartler at the very beginning and I said, "Well, look, well." Give me the guidelines, and um, I think it's pretty straightforward. I think it's common sense actually. Mm-hmm. And you know, remember, I've raised a daughter—not um, my daughter, my husband's daughter—but but nevertheless, you know, she was eight when she came into our household. Now she's twenty-one, and so I've—I've I've, uh, through the apparatus, writing process, I've, I've been watching um, and hopefully guiding uh, in, a, in, a, in a loving way uh, a young lady that I am devoted to. Um, and so I'm very aware of what I would want her to read or not to read.
0: You can hear part two of my interview with Clive Barker on tomorrow's podcast.